They say that the longer the wait, the more satisfying the experience. Well, that's true. Then fans waiting 17 years for a sequel to a classic 80s film should have had a wonderful time bolstered by the end of their anticipation. Or did they? Find out as we attempt to prove to you that Roadhouse 2 is not that bad. Welcome, welcome one and all to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A, grades, and B, movies. And we have a special surprise for you on today's episode because for the first time in It's Not That Bad history, we are doing the sequel to an episode or a previous episode. And here to join us for this one is the man who went down Roadhouse Road with us the first time, Gomez from the Sleevy G podcast. Dude, welcome back to the show. How you doing, man? Uh, doing fantastic. Excited about Roadhouse 2. I don't know why, <laughs> but I'm excited about it. I think you might have been the only person excited for Roadhouse 2. But here's the thing. When we were talking about covering this film, like I know how much the first Roadhouse actually meant to you. But mm-hmm. then when, A, when you discover that there's a Roadhouse 2 that actually exists, and B, you, you realize that it definitely qualifies for this show. What was your oh, reaction? Yeah. What was your reaction to knowing that you had to go down sequel road? Well, I think because, again, the love for the first movie, you know what I mean? And um, what was kind of funny, we were both uh, texting each other through Twitter, and we were talking about the new Roadhouse that's going to be coming out on Amazon with Jake Gyllenhaal, and that's what sparked this. I go, dude, did you know there was a Roadhouse 2 with um, Jake uh, Jake Busey and Jonathan... Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to mess his name up a few times. Jonathan Skage. I'm, Thank you. I'm I was going gonna to call ass- him Sasquatch. <laughs> I'm assuming that's how we pronounce his last name. By the way, if we do mess up any names, remember Canadian idiot basement me microphone. But you know that's my disclaimer on this one there. But yeah, no, like when Cuban, you realize- New Jersey. <laughs> Hold on, Cuban, New Jersey. I have an accent, so exactly. It, that's my. I'm, I'm with the Soprano family. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, did you even know that this movie existed before we, we were talking about it? I did know this movie existed because I remember I was watching, it was like an FX channel or, you know, Vice, one of those channels that usually have B, C, D movies on. And once in a while, you'll catch a good, a decent flick that it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, This one wasn't that bad. I was watching the movie. I remember I caught like halfway to the end. I'm like, Roadhouse 2. I go, and Abusey's in it? Oh, God. And then I look at it and I realize who, who it is. I was thinking Daddy, but it was actually his son, Jake, which I didn't even realize his name was Jake Busey. I thought it was Jack Busey. Figure that one out. Yeah. Um, Make sure you get so, the right Busey here because that that, that yeah. does kind of you know tip the scales as to whether it's going to be good or bad or not. Surprisingly, the guy's a decent actor. I have to give him that. You know, if you watched uh, Star, was it no Star, Starship Troopers? It was Starship Troopers. Yep, I love that movie, and he actually played the part perfectly as a dumbass army guy. You know, what I mean, career guy. He played it perfectly to the T. Um, but that's a whole other another movie we could always talk about later on the road. But um, yes, I knew about the movie. I saw only the first half, the ending, the halfway through the movie to the ending. Then the next day, I actually was able to DVR the whole movie. Then I started understanding the whole plot to the movie. This was Dalton's nephew, John Shane Tanner. I'm just going to go 
with his his movie <laughs> name. I'm not going with his his real name. I can't even pronounce his last one. But you know that this is Dalton's nephew, which was like, what? Where the hell happened to Dalton? But you know, at that time, you know, Dalton could have gotten killed for all we know after Roadhouse One. Mm-hmm. Um, or he actually retired with uh, what's her face? Uh, oh, with Doc. With, yeah, with the Doc. Yeah, which. With Kelly Lynch, which a I would have not mind retiring myself with her too, if I had a choice or Julie, or Julie Michaels, one of the two would have been nice to retire with, <laughs> um, you know, don't matter. But um, yeah, I knew about the movie. I actually thought the movie was pretty decent when it came to the action and everything. Acting was a little suspect, but you know, I thought the, there was a plot to the movie. Um, there was a bar that was involved. Um, <laughs> The, you the, know, there the, was fighting. The, the, there was a bar and there was fighting. And that's kind of the criteria that I think you need for a Roadhouse film. Well, this one had more to it. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get that, you know, a little bit further into the weeds on this one here, it is time to take this sizzling sequel and trailerize it. You loved Roadhouse and how a no-nonsense cooler brought the cool to an action flick. Now... Watch as the uncoolest guy from That Thing You Do tries to do his cool thing in Roadhouse 2. Last call. Jonathan Skate is Shane Tanner, son of the legendary John Dalton, even though they have different last names. And you didn't know they were related. Just count how many times they say Dalton in the movie. Trust me, it's a lot. I lost count. He returns home to help defend his uncle's bar from a crime syndicate looking to buy him out for the real estate. Along the way, bar fights break out. A hot blonde entered his life and... uh, They just rewrote the first one. They added it to at the end, didn't they? Kinda feels that way. It's last call for Roadhouse 2. Rated R for Reboot. (laughs) <laughs> love it. I'm trying not to laugh throughout the whole thing, but that was such a great entrance. Sadly, a little too accurate, I think. But let's get into who's in this film. The film stars, and I'm going to actually tell you some of the other movies that they've been in, because some of these names may not be that familiar to you. Of course, we talked about Jake Busey, and he was in Starship Troopers. Jonathan mm-hmm. Skage, he was the singer of the Oneaters in That Thing You Do. He was the lead singer, wasn't yes, he? Yes, he was. He was Jimmy. Wow. <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy was chiseled. Right? Will He was chiseled for this movie. He he worked out and worked well. Will Patton, he you could watch him in Armageddon. He was also in The Punisher, the the John Travolta uh Thomas Jane one. Richard Norton. We've actually talked about him on this podcast before because he was in Jim Cotta. Oh, oh, that film. Loved, loved, loved actually watching the film just for the insanity of it, but he was in Jim mm-hmm. Cotta. By the way, go back and listen to that episode. This was also the film that's the cinematic debuts of both Ellen Holman and Marissa Quintanilla. However, there is an almost starring in this one because it almost starred Patrick Swayze. Apparently, the part of Nate Tanner, as played by Will Patton, was supposed to be Dalton himself. But apparently there were creative differences and then Swayze backed away. So then they had to kind of 
rejig the character. The film is directed by Scott Zeal, and if you think doing one un- unasked for sequel was bad enough, he also directed Cruel Intentions 3, which I correct me if I'm wrong. There was, wait, wait. Yeah. There was Cruel Intentions 3? There was. I think there was even four and, and others, too. It's the, I knew there was two. Right? I didn't, I didn't know there was three. It's like Ooh. when you get to like Lion King two and a half and you're like, did we ask for this? No. So why? There's what? Lion King two and a half? Uh, yeah, I think there is. Or Ooh, one and a half or something like it, it. Math apparently is on the test today. This is a, yeah. a direct to video release. So there's no box office numbers available. However, the reason why we're here, aside from the fact that I like to have Gomez on the show, is the, is the critics. There is no Metacritic score for this one. However, over at Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score is 34%. There is, Which is pretty high. It's not bad, right? There's, That's actually not bad. There's no official tomatometer, so I had to pull out the abacus and figure this one out. There are four reviews, and if you take the average of the four scores, it works out to about a 32% tomatometer. One of them was a straight-up zero, so you could tell how... So the other ones actually weren't that bad, but let's compare it, though. You know, with with an aggregate 32% tomatometer and a 34% audience score, it's not... At least the tomatometer is not that far off from the original. Roadhouse had a a 66% audience score but only a 41% tomatometer. So really, this one, as far as a critic's point of view, is actually not that far off from the original Patrick Swayze one. Like, I'm not going to lie. That surprised me. That would surprise me too, actually, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that straight to DVD equals, you know, straight to the garbage bin. But, no. But th- that's a the decent score for a film that, I'm not going to lie, going into this... I had zero expectations of what to expect out of this film. Like the bar for me was low, like low. The Pelican. Come on, <laughs> that's a great name for a bar. The Pelican, especially in was was it in Louisiana? It was in Louisiana. It was in the Bayou. You can't go wrong with that. Sweatiness, humidity. You need some talcum powder, you know what I mean? Jeez. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie, having it be at a bar like the Pelican made it different from, like, I'm glad they didn't go back to the Double Deuce. I'm glad they didn't. I mean, there's enough almost, you know, copy-pasting from the original. that, oh, yeah. And we're going to talk about that. But I love the fact that it wasn't at the Double Deuce. It was a different bar. But let's get into the breakdown of this here. We're going to start with Jonathan Skate, who played Shane Tanner. Aside from being jacked, how was he for you? You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't realize, first of all, that was the lead singer from The Own Eaters <laughs> or The Wonders. I'm sorry. Um, you know, first of all, I thought he did pretty good as an actor. First of all, he's a DEA agent, if I remember correctly, or FBI. No, he's DEA, and, yeah. Oh, he's DEA. Okay. So, you know, he is in the, he is in the law enforcement where his dad, or Dalton, it was, you know, he was just a straight up bouncer and philosopher and complete bull <laughs> with his philosophy, the yin and yang and the bang bang. Um, you know, I I thought Shane did a great job. Uh, or I'm sorry, Jonathan. I apologize. I ain't saying your last name because I can't say it correctly, Sasquatch. I mean, Sasquatchy, whatever your name is. We have found Sasquatch. He's in Louisiana. Yeah. So I thought he did a great job playing Shane Tanner as 
you know, which is kind of funny. He says he's Dalton's son, right? With a different name. Was he adopted? I'm not quite sure because, I mean, the uncle, but as played by is Will Nate Patton, Tanner. is Nate Tanner. Yeah. So it's, you, you wonder if Dalton's like a, you know, a work name to kind of protect his privacy. I mean, that- yeah, it makes me wonder a little bit because that's what I'm trying to say. Cause, or, you know, Shane's name is Tanner and Dalton was his first. Well, we never knew if Dalton had a full name. We, we just knew him as Dalton. Well, according to IMDB, he is John Dalton. See, I didn't even know his name was John until now. John Tanner. No. Uh. Yeah. I mean, it it would make sense if somewhere in the, you know, in the script, and again, if Pat, if Swayze was involved with this, and you know, yeah, uh, you know, the, the 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 script was worked a little bit, then okay, maybe it was Shane Dalton originally, um, maybe, or maybe this is you know you know Shane Tanner's you know police given name to protect his privacy. Like, I think that might have been it. I, I I might have to go with that. Or Nate Tanner, maybe he cheated on the doc and. He went out for a Tanner and very poof, an illegitimate son of Shane Tanner might have happened. Dalton was the daddy. You never know. He went through a lot of bars. Yeah. I mean, it, it's sad, too, because, like, you have, you know, him having these flashbacks of being a kid and, you know, working in the heavy bag. And it's, you know, Nate's voice that's saying, I'm really proud of you. And it's like, where the heck is the dad in all of this, right? Like, I, I, yeah. I get I get creative differences and you got to rework the script, but I, I, I need to put this out there. This felt like a spec script and maybe a little close to Roadhouse and, you know, the, the studios are like, Oh, you know, we could make this into Roadhouse too. Let's get Swayze involved. And, and then like, it didn't work out. So then they basically went back to the, the spec script. It feels like a spec script that was a little too close to Roadhouse. Right, it's kind of like you know whatever yeah. American Psycho two was. Yeah, yeah, which I forgot about that. that was with Millie Kunis. Yeah, Millie Kunis and William Shatner. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> which that yeah. was basically a spec script, and then you slap on American Psycho on it. Um, it just doesn't make sense. But I mean, I like the fact that he's not a professional cooler. I like the fact that he's not a professional bouncer. He's a DEA agent. Right? And no, but he lived by the rules. Oh, absolutely. Right? I'm sure. Well, come on. Like the fact that his uncle owns a bar, you know, and is basically its own cooler as well. You know, his his father is the legendary Dalton, right? So, of course, he's going mm-hmm. to know the rules. Uh, but I like the fact that it's slightly different. You know, it's it's not it's not cookie cutter from the original. And I think he actually fit the DEA agent mold better than just a straight cooler. Like he d- he didn't come across as, you know, take no nonsense, take no nonsense and take it outside kind of attitude. He felt a little bit more by the book. No, but you know, it's kind of funny. I'm reading up a little bit right now as we're speaking. So there is there is something here. Uh Dalton himself isn't actually in Roadhouse 2. Viewers find out on the character he died prior to the filming. Mm-hmm. Drug Kingpin Victor Cross, Richard Norton, has sent the bar's former disgruntled cooler, Wild Bill, Jake Busey, to take out Shane, but ended up shooting Dalton in his place in an unsatisfactory on-screen death. Yeah. There we go. There's your spoilers, by the way. You don't have to. You don't have to watch Roadhouse Two now. You're welcome. But- yeah. Well, I mean. We're going to cover every inch on this movie because I'll tell you, it's 
very easy to cover it because if you watch Roadhouse 1, they just did a couple little changes of making Shane Tanner a DEA agent and made him a bouncer. Mm-hmm. A cooler, I mean. Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing, too. Like, you go back to the, the first Roadhouse. It's not like Patrick Swayze is like, you know, he's cut. He's fit, right? Oh, God. He but, was... But he's not like Stallone or Schwarzenegger, right? No, but his body was very... Good Lord. Right? I still wanted Swayze's body at that point because he still had the six-pack or eight-pack cabs going. Yeah, he had the full 12 going on, I think, at that point. But yeah. the thing with Jonathan Skage, he's not like a super jack kind of guy. Like I I was worried like with a, with a movie like Roadhouse 2 they were going to toss like some, you know, some wrestler in there to try and get like that WWE production money, but they didn't. They went with someone who himself, he got he got ripped for this. Like he definitely put in the work to to look the oh, yeah, part. He did. So it felt natural for him to be Dalton's kid because he's not roided out. No, and he was not exactly. He wasn't roided out whatsoever. That is true. I will give him that. I mean, Jesus Christ, I didn't even know Jake Busey was that freaking tall in that movie either. <laughs> okay. You you didn't realize how tall he was until you see him in the movie. You're like, holy Christ. Well, I remember in Starship Troopers, like him towering over Casper Van Dien. So, oh, that's true. Yeah, I kind of had a, but, an inkling that he was tall, but not that tall. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Casper Van Dien, anybody could overtall him. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's actually, he wouldn't beat me in height. He's only 6'3". Casper Van Dien's only 6'3"? No, Jacob Busey. Okay, so he's he's a little taller than me. Not by much, but he's a little taller than Not me. Not by much, yeah. He's by an inch off of me. Mm-hmm. Casper. Let, now let's, you got me warning. Yeah, now, <laughs> we'll, we'll get you the, 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 the height count for Casper Van Dien in a second here. But but let's move on to Ellen Holman, who played Bo. How was she for you? She actually, you know, did pretty good. I was interested. Don't get me wrong. Uh, she she was a knockout. I mean, this was one of her first movies, I think, wasn't it? It was. It was her very first film. So for her starting her acting career in a B-rated movie, I guess, is a great way to go. Because she's been in other different movies, actually. She was in the movie Spartacus or the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in The Scorpion King. Yeah, the Scorpion Army King 4, let's be honest there. Oh. Speaking of for. speaking of sequels, no one asked for. But I mean, lately she's also been in the Matrix Resurrections. She was in Love and Monsters, which is on Netflix. Yes. She was on Gladiator. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, I, I need know. to say this though, right? And this may be slightly controversial, but I'm going to put it out there anyways. Kelly Lynch in the original mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. is the worst part of that film. Depending on what part of the film you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to watch that scene, then okay, you're fine, right? But I yeah. mean, but I mean, like, as far as character, like, her character didn't have a name. Her job title was her name. Like, that That just tells you how, how paper thin the character is actually written. Bo in That's this true. actually has she a lot a name. of, yeah, not just a name, but she had a lot of depth to her character. That's true. So they did change the lead female in Roadhouse 2 than Roadhouse 1. You're right. Kelly Lynch was known as Doc. What's her first name? Excuse my language. Sorry. That's okay. What's her... It's just one of those days. Um, <laughs> what's her... What's her fucking first name? Doc? You know, what are you going to say? Let's go at it, Doc. I love it when I call you Doc. Yeah. Let me oh, get you up on me, the wall, Doc. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me chew on a piece of carrot, Doc. Hey, you like it like this, rough Doc? What the is that all about it, it's not now like, that i'm thinking about it, now that we're talking about it, now we're thinking it holy shit, 
they even crossed my mind in the first one. <laughs> but yeah, like Ellen Holman actually brought not just like the physicality of it, because I'm, I'm going to say this right now. One of the best fight scenes in this film is between her and Nadia in this near the end of the film. Yes. Like, she brought uh, an athleticism to it. She brought like, you know, uh, a, a fit presence to it, but she also brought, you know, not necessarily an obstacle, but basically a question that's lingering, right? Because there's that whole, you know, is, you know, what's the deal between her and Wild Bill? And then you find out they're related. But then it's like, is she going to like side with Wild Bill? Is she going to choose family over Shane? Like, there's a lot to bow that I think mm-hmm. is definitely an improvement over the the single dimension that was Doc in the original. And she's not an MMA fighter either. She was just, she she trained for that movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like she definitely brought it for that one. And, and it's nice to see, right? Like we, we need to be blunt about this movie. There are some mm-hmm. very sexist depictions of women in this film. Just, mm. Again, much like there was in the first Roadhouse here. So it's it's not like you, you know, expect it or not. Bo is a strong female character and that's a good thing. But then you get Jake Busey, her cousin. Again, spoilers. As Wild Dumbass. Bill. So I know whenever I see Jake Busey on the on the credit list, uh, the expectations go lower. But how is Jake Busey for you? I'm trying to find the right words for Jake Busey in this movie. He reminds me. Oh, God. Let's put it this way. Remember that song, The Offspring Pretty Fly for a White Guy? <laughs> Oh my god, that's the perfect description of him. <laughs> oh, that is the best way I can describe it. He's the lead singer from The Offspring because of the hair, mm. with that spiky blonde hair he had in this movie. Okay, oh god, he is Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry oh, if I'm choking, oh, it's but, okay. but, it, but, but it's true though. He's trying too hard to be this hardcore cocaine or meth at a, you know, drug pusher. He was just, he just tried way too hard. He tried to be fly for a white guy. It just did not work for him. He had these bright color shirts. I remember, I think he had a green one. He had a purple one. You know what I mean? Like these, like you would not, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing in a nightclub. Even if I was that drunk or that stupid, you wouldn't catch me wearing that type of shirts. Uh, the chains around his neck, the cowboy boots. Listen, it's Louisiana. I get it. You have to wear the boots. So that's a different story. But I'm just like, you're trying too hard. It, it just reminded me of that song, Pretty Fly for a White Guy. And I <laughs> thought that would be the perfect description for him. His acting was, eh, it was okay. I wouldn't call it his best work. I think Starship, Starship Troopers was his better work, I mm-hmm. think. Well, it's also a much was, better movie, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, sorry, Jake, buddy, but you're not the greatest actor in the Busey family. Your dad, <laughs> who's a total nutcase, is better. And I, and and we've seen him in some great movies. Point Break is still my favorite with him in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he just tried a little too hard to be that fly white guy. And it did not work very well for him. I mean, don't don't go into Roadhouse 2 expecting subtlety. 
I mean, th- th- this this movie is subtle like a sledgehammer, but you know, <laughs> I, I think they tried too hard to to make him this badass Louisiana drug pushing character, right? Like the 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 threesome in the hot tub and the the gangster music oh, yeah. that's playing ab nauseum and like just the you know the pushing around his his boys like like they tried too hard but i found near the end of the film like once all pretense was gone right once that Mm -hmm. he felt like the business was his once he felt like victor cross was kind of out of the way it's he got better at least the character got better at least it felt more menacing right like and the other thing too is he keeps on pushing that he wanted to be you know he thought he was the best bouncer out there and the fact that he was fired from the the black pelican and this kind of seems to be the the alter ulterior motive for him wanting to buy out the black pelican um you know not just use it for 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 drug pushing and whatnot i mean yeah there's some depth there but i just wish it was a little bit more nuanced the way he was portrayed again again subtle like a sledgehammer yeah I mean, but he was definitely not fly for a white guy. Mm-hmm. It, it's like literally you could have had him walk in to any scene, put some clown music underneath, and you'd probably get the same effect. You know, using the music to, to you know. Killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, right? Right? Like you that don't need to be. would have been the be, perfect theme music. Yeah, you don't need to be that didactic about it, right? We, we no. get it. He's a bad guy. He's a gangster. We don't need bad gangster rap playing all at the, t- at the same time like just just let let him be let him be and let the character develop that's as, yeah where that's where i said that's where he reminds me of the the song he's pretty fly for a white guy oh absolutely yeah he, he probably bought he was trying to buy it you know run dmc but he got vanilla ice instead you know what i mean <laughs> uh, or or he got snow and former instead you know what i mean it just and listen, no no disrespect to Snow. He is Canadian. He actually was good. He did have Informers one big hit single, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it it's like that. It's that type of character. You're like, what the? <laughs> That's the best way to put it. It's like, what were you people thinking? You uh, know what I mean? Vanilla da- down south vanilla ice pushing drugs. That's that's basically what Wild Bill is. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. But then on the other side, you've got Nate Tanner, right? As played by Will Patton, owner of the Black Pelican, uncle to Shane Tanner. How was he for you? I thought, again, I, I like Will Patton. He's been in some great movies. Um, you know, one of my favorite movies with him is definitely Armageddon, but another one uh, that you should have mentioned was Gone in 60 Seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I feel like he had, you know, first of all, he's the owner of the Black Pelican. And I think he portrays the, you know, bouncer, cooler, owner type of deal. You know what I mean? In this movie. And I thought he did great because he reminds me part of when he played Gone in 60 Seconds character and Armageddon. You put it in together. There's your drunken, not drunken, but I mean your cooler. Crazy, wild, but also calm and collective. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, he thinks of things. He thinks of th- ways to resurrect stuff. You know what I mean? And tries to do everything kind of in a cool way. <clears throat> so I think he did a great job, you know, for the scenes that he was in, except for the part where he got the crop kicked out of him, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I thought he did a decent job in the movie. Yeah, I mean, um, I liked him. I like him as an actor. I thought he's he's been a very good actor. Yeah, I mean, yes, Armageddon is is a great film. I actually found he was one of the better parts of the Thomas Jane Punisher film as the the right hand man to John Travolta in that, like. You know, yes. his his arc in that was actually very good. And, you know, Punisher is another one of those movies that we'll probably have to go down that road at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's it, a great movie. I love that movie. Right. Matter of fact, if I watch it, I love, you know, granted, I understand John Travolta as Mr. Sane was not the greatest, but I'm going to tell you, he put that character perfectly as best as he could, though. Mm-hmm. But as Will Patton as his right hand man, um, uh, I forgot the character's name, but doesn't matter at this point. Right. He did such a phenomenal job acting and portraying the concierge of the family very well. Like if he was playing um, in the Godfather of Robert Duvall, yeah. but a hardcore version oh. of what you see today, not the seventies of the Corleone family. So I think he did that part justice mm-hmm. very well. He played it perfectly. And the, the fact that, you know, He's, you know, he's Dalton's brother, right? He's also a bar owner. He's basically his own cooler, you know, so it makes sense that Nate is also a very good fighter as well. And and that's, you know, that fight scene down at the, uh, at the dock when he gets duped to get to meet down there to find out who the mole is on his team. I am really impressed with what he brought to the film. Right. He he brought the presence that needed to be there. Now, someone pointed out on IMDb, uh, really, really, really like you you have to. You have to watch the scene, but he gets stabbed in the back at the yes. hospital and then they put him on his back on the bed. <laughs> Is the knife still there? Because I'm pretty sure That's, you're not I supposed to rip the knife out. They probably ripped the knife out. No, whoever that, whoever that actor was, I think they they took the knife out. Yeah, that that's that's the healthcare system right there for you. But I mean, especially down south. Yeah, but he also fits the Louisiana vibe very well too. 
right? Like he does. Not, he does. not, not with a, an overdone accent, but he, he fits the vibe of the community that's there. Like I, I think Will Patton may have been too good for this role, but he he definitely brought it brought it to another level. And I wasn't expecting that good acting in this. Now, and I want to be honest with you, he is a Southern boy. He is from Charleston, South Carolina. Born I did not know that. Born there. Yeah, as I'm looking at his Wikipedia, um, he was born in Charleston, South Carolina in 1954. So for him to play that Southern part, I think was a good pick. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But but let's move over to Richard Norton, who played Victor Cross, the, the big boss of the syndicate. Not going to lie, a tad ineffectual for me. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't, I don't know, he didn't do it for me. He was, I don't know. He was just, he was out of character. Mm. Like, this is the guy that Wild Bill is supposed to be, you know, like, licking the boots to. Like, this is the guy that Wild Bill's, like, an underling to. Like, okay, yes, he's on a he's on a boat and he has the ability to, to charter a plane to fly into the bayou kind of thing. Like, I get it, but nothing about Victor Cross and the portrayal of him led me to to believe him in the role of this big mafioso crime no. boss. No, definitely not. I mean, as I'm looking at his um his Wikipedia and his movies, the only thing he was known for is for his karate. Mm-hmm. Because he's been in a lot of B, C, and D movie karate's here. There's actually one with Chuck Norris, The Octagon, which I never heard of. Um, the only big name movie that I see besides Roadhouse 2, he's been in two Chuck Norris movies. I mean, it was American Ninja. Yeah, that's, but he was, he was uncredited in American Ninja. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And he was in Mad Max Fury. Yeah. I, I mean, like, he's been in action movies. You know, let's, let's not forget Jim Cotta. No one can forget Jim Cotta, especially once you've seen it. But, you know, as he's got fighting movie credentials. At least yes, let does. him kill someone. Like, yeah, at, that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, but like that. But there's the thing, right? He's pissed off that Wild Bill isn't getting things done as they need to be done. Kill somebody. Show me you're the bad guy. Yeah, don't let Jack Busey take all your credit. Right? Which he did. Well, he did. I mean, Jack Busey was his bitch. Is the best <laughs> way to put it. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't have, if I'm that old and I'm that lazy, I might as well have the bitch do all my work. Because if I'm, if someone's going to get pinched, it's going to be him, not me. So he kind of played it right, though. Because if the cops come after him, he's got his, he's got somebody to put the pin, pin it on. You know what I mean? I don't. Maybe, maybe just me, but I, if I'm Wild Bill, I, I'm not scared of this guy. I'm not. No, I wouldn't blame you. I wouldn't be either. No, no. Uh, speaking of Wild Bill, though, his right-hand lady, Nadia, is played by Marissa Quintanilla, the knife-wielding sidekick to Wild Bill. She impressed me in this one, but how was she for you? She impressed me with her knife skills. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was an attractive woman. You know what I mean? She is. She's an American-born woman, um, Americana. With the, you know, last name of Quintanilla, Mexican, but she's born in America. She's very attractive. She actually did this movie pretty good. I thought she was better than I thought she was going to be in this movie. 
Um, I wish she had more depth in her role. Mm. You know, instead of the knife swingling, I want to kill you, girl. Yeah, the, um, the silent but that's deadly. That's what she was. Yeah. yeah, the silent but deadly look. Yeah, yeah. She's the stinky fart of the film, silent but deadly. Yes. But the thing is, though, it's her fight with Bo at the end of the film when, when uh, you know, you've you got the big, you know, conflict at the end that I think is actually one of the better fights. Like, I, I'm fine with the silent killer. I'm fine with someone being, you know, the, the you mess with me, you mess with her, and she's going to mess you up kind of vibe. And she de- it, it didn't feel out of place for what she was doing there. No. I mean, for the, for the beginning of the movie, you're like, eh, eye candy kind of, you know what I mean? When you look, when you put Jake Busey next to her, w- what are you really going to look at? You're really going to look at Jake? Mm-hmm. No. I'd rather look at her. <laughs> so... That she's the she's the eye candy of that part of the movie for him. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like because of his because of his bad acting in this movie. Yeah, pretty fly for a white guy. But I mean, she's the Black Widow in this, right? Like she, yes, she is, is. You know, she's supposed to be that kind of presence, like that badass bad girl who will who will mess you up six ways to Sunday. And if you take a look at, for lack of a better term, B movies, right? Because this went straight to video, so technically speaking, you know, it's a B movie, right? You take a look at a movie like Samurai Cop, and it's got the, the the redhead there, and I can't remember what her her actual name is, but I mean, all she did was sit there, wear sunglasses, point a gun occasionally, and was ineffectual, right? Mm-hmm. Here, Nadia did stuff. She. Killed. Yeah, she did. Yeah, exactly. She goes you know, throwing the knife. She was kicking ass. She had a really good fight with Bo. It's it was believable and it worked. And th- that's the kind of henchman that made Wild Bill effective. The rest of his team were were were, were bunch of punks, right? Like literally, like there's henchmen and goons, right? Yes. Nadia is a henchman. Everyone else on his team were goons. And there's a difference, right? There's a huge difference. There is a huge difference. Goons are like cannon fodder. Those, those are the ones you send out in the first wave to, to get rid of the ammunition on the other side. You 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 hold on to the henchman, or in this case, the henchwoman, and then you then you unleash your secret weapon. Very well done. Very well done. Uh, Lawrence Varnado, who played Luther, he was the mole as far as the bouncer team goes inside the the, the Black Pelican. Yes, he was. I actually didn't mind him in this. No, I think he played a small role, but being that his role was not like huge and but he did I thought he did a decent job as being the mole and being the bouncer, you know, like I'm going to protect everybody, but I thought he did a decent job acting it, you know what I mean? Mhm. And I appreciated what he did in the movie. Yeah. I'm I mean, again, movie is subtle like a hammer. And, you know, it, it's not like you had to guess who the mole was. It was it was right up there on Front Street and why no one else is like, uh, Luther, you might want to not like, you know, pimp our owner out to be killed by everybody. But the, the fact that he is the double agent, the fact that he is in there, you know, we all know, we all know he's the mole, right? How no one oh, yeah. else pointed it out to him, you know, is, is beyond me. But that's just the scripting issue. He was good and it's not like he overplayed you know the mole aspect at times yes the movie could have been a bit more subtle in the reveal of who the mole was but i mean that's not on lawrence varnado that's a script issue true 
that that is a script issue. That's not on him. Yeah, oh, absolutely. James Otto. Now, the name doesn't sound familiar. He's the singer of the band that's playing at the Black Pelican seemingly every night. Now, if you watched the first Roadhouse, it's famous for bringing to you know global attention one Mr. Jeff Healy and his band. Yes. And Jeff he Healy was, was oh, Jeff Healy was so much fun in that first film. And he was very, his character not only played a part in, you know, like being the, the, not just the voice of reason, but the, the inside voice for Dalton when he got to the double deuce, but he also humanized Dalton a little bit as well. Yes, he did. I get that. The they name were, is Dalton. Yeah. I get that they were, tr- they were trying to have that Jeff Healy kind of feel to James Otto, but they gave him like one line of dialogue. Like yeah. you could have put any band in there. Yeah. You know what? On that, they should have just not put a, they shouldn't have just gave him a line. First of all, um, Jeff Healy band was a, the band, mm-hmm. perfect band in the eighties for that movie. Oh. I mean, they, they, they played such great hits and they were actually a band, you know what I mean? Outside of this movie. And they were big in your area because they were from Canada. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I remember working downtown and the studio that I worked at, we were literally down the road from Jeff Healy's, like the bar that he owned. And that's awesome. I mean, you, you really can't go wrong with that stuff because I think they, they he did such a great job in that movie. First of all, he's a blind guitarist mm-hmm. who plays a mean freaking guitar. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he proved it in the movie and he proved it. I mean, don't get me wrong. He didn't have 18,000 gold records, but the man could actually sing and play a guitar blind. He did such a phenomenal job in the first movie. In the second movie, this this guy was just, eh, whatever. You know what I mean? I'll say my one-liner and I'm done. You know, even the band from the Desperado movie, that guy, you know, he's, he's the lead singer in that movie, at least had three lines and... Well, actually, I think he had four or five lines, actually, but he's still got the point across, besides singing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not like James Otto doesn't have albums out. He's got three albums out. Uh, first one was released in 2004. Uh, most recent one was 2010. So there is music out there. He is an actual musician. You know, it's not just like, you know, it's not like Jonathan Skates as, as lead singer of the Oneaters, but... No, but... Um... <laughs> It just it for him his character in this movie I don't know I just didn't feel I don't know I just didn't feel that one you know what I mean Yeah I mean uh, give him more to do or don't or or don't give him anything because part of the problem with this film is that there's a lot of characters there where it feels like they're setting them up for something bigger mm-hmm. and and then we don't see them anymore Case yeah. in point Crystal Mantecan who played the the her Shane's DEA partner at the bus at the beginning of the film. She's the one who's like in the underwear and hasn't been handcuffed and yes. give him a little like I'm like okay there there's there's a partner here like like the they're, they're playful with each other and then we never see her again. They should have just done that for that for his part. Yeah. I I mean I get you're do you're using this scene to show just how serious Shane is. He cannot be, you know, swayed by hot girl in underwear like really that's how that's how you're going to to portray shane's seriousness you can persuade <laughs> me that and easily and i'm married <laughs> but 
there's a lot of who the f- is this person in this movie, right? There's a lot in this movie, like who the fuck is this person? <laughs> it's just if you're going to introduce characters, give them purpose, right? It could, because it's, yes, it's, I agree with you. Yeah, because it's not like they couldn't act. It's just that they didn't have anything to act with. As far as a script act goes. on, yeah, right. Again, this script. I think this script. If Patrick Swayze did the script a little bit and helped out with it, and it was in this movie, I could see this movie being completely differently done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he backed out on the movie, as we said earlier, and I just felt like they just rushed the script to get a movie out there. And this is why it went right not to didn't go into theaters. No one knew about it until you hit DVD. I don't even think anybody on DVD knew it was on DVD. Like I said, I didn't even know what this movie existed until I saw it on FX HD or something, you know what I mean, many years ago. <laughs> and you're like, wow, this isn't that bad, but it wasn't the greatest, but it, it, the acting wasn't the greatest. It's like watching the first season of 90210. <laughs> bad acting. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes when you see a sequel to like a beloved movie, right? Y- you get worried. You absolutely, like, I'm sure people lost their mind when it, they heard that there was a Tron sequel coming out and then it came out and it was really good, but yeah. you know, who knows what people had as far as their expectations go. I'm one where it's like, if it's a classic movie and you're not, continuing the story you're not bringing back some of those actors you you don't have that kind of connection then my expectation is zero percent because i've seen some really 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 bad sequels that have really nothing to do with the original this basically felt like they rewrote the original with some little tweaks here and there so i'm going to ask you before we get to the end here mm-hmm. was this film not good but was it even necessary I don't think the film was necessary, but they had to put something out there, I think. But it was so many years later to introduce somebody. You know what I mean? I, I, I mean, I'm glad it went right to DVD. I don't think it would have done well in theaters. I don't. It, I think it would have got a booted off, you know, opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, do I enjoy the movie? Yeah, when I'm home with a beer in my hand, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um Am I going to go out to watch and rush for it? No, not really. I mean, this feels like the kind of movie where, like, if you go to Blockbuster and you get your seven movies for seven days and you just got to find that seventh movie, this feels like the kind of one that you would kind of grab. And But in that seven movies for seven days, just grab the last film. I know there are movies in the past where I've grabbed the film because, like, hey, I like some of the cast or, hey, why not, right? Yeah. And they've been really, really, really good. This film... Again, if you go in expecting a 0% film, of which a lot of some of these like unasked for sequels are, then you're going to be pleasantly surprised. It's kind of like optimism through pessimism, right? Go in expecting the worst. And if the worst doesn't happen, you're pleasantly surprised. If the worst does happen, well, guess what? You were right anyways, right? So go in expecting absolutely nothing. And you're going to be very pleasantly surprised. But now we've got this Roadhouse movie out. And as you mentioned before, we've got the new Jake Gyllenhaal one being made. So I'm going to ask you before, even before that movie comes out, is that movie necessary? That's a great question, Jason. Very great question. 
first of all, we've always talked to you and I, and you know my whole thing about reboots. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. I'm going to give you a perfect example of what people don't know about Roadhouse. So we have this, I have this coworker born in the 90s. And I was talking to another older coworker of mine. He's about eight years older than me. And we were talking about the movie Roadhouse. And he goes, what's Roadhouse? I go, and the first words that come out of my mouth is, are you f-ing kidding me? <laughs> and he looks at me with a plain sight. He goes, no, what is it? I go, it's called an American movie classic. Look it up, watch it, and then you write a 10-page report on it, and you tell me what you thought of the movie. The kid saw the movie, and he told me it sucked. Oh. I almost wanted to hit him. Hey, hey, take it outside. Be nice until it's time to not be nice. Oh, I, dude, I, <laughs> I, I was a bouncer myself, so I know. I used those three rules. I used his rules growing up, you know, as a bouncer, too. Mm-hmm. Um, But I really wanted not... I wasn't going to be nice on that one, because Roadhouse is an American movie classic. It's something I loved very much. I, you know, as an ex, well, I wouldn't call myself like a bouncer, bouncer like him, you know what I mean? But, you know, you learn a lot from that movie, how to control crowds and people, you know what I mean? What to say. But to hear that someone say that the movie sucked, I was really pissed off. Mm. Um, Because I thought it was a great movie. Now, if you said that about Roadhouse 2, I'm not going to mind it as much. (laughs) Now, the new and upcoming Roadhouse with Jake Gyllenhaal, which I first saw a picture of Jake Gyllenhaal. Now, from what I'm gathering on this film, it started. they started making the film um, this year. And Jake Gyllenhaal is the new Dalton, who replaces Patrick Swayze for the new upcoming 2023 year. Amazon's making it. Um, from what I'm hearing is that the premise of this movie is an ex-UFC middleweight fighter ends up working at a roadhouse in the Florida Keys where things are not seen as they seem. So for me, it's saying it's like double deuce, but a younger generation now. Or, you know, the generation that we know it now. So what do I think of it? I think it's a different portrayal of Roadhouse because we know Dalton was not an MMA fighter. We knew he loved martial arts, right? Um, you're talking about Patrick Swayze, um, Sam Elliott, who you cannot replace. And then I think about the way I saw Jake Gyllenhaal in his, um, as they were making the movie, they actually did it at a UFC fight this year, recording the movie there. And I watched it a little bit, and I noticed one thing is Jake Gyllenhaal's ripped as hell. It looks like it might be a fun movie, but also the bad guy is Conor McGregor, a UFC fighter, of course. So I'm looking forward to see what they're going to bring to this. Okay. Obviously, we'll have to cross that bridge when that movie comes out. But I'm, I'm going to throw a hypothetical situation here. Getting back to Roadhouse 2 here. If I were to hand you a blank DVD case with this movie inside, with the name Roadhouse completely scrubbed from it, with, with any mention of Dalton removed, you just have Nate Tanner and, and his, his nephew Shane, right? Nothing to do at all with the first Roadhouse. This is, it's just a movie called Last Call. That just happens to have, yeah, some similar, you know, some similar plot points to Roadhouse, but it's not, it's not a sequel. 
if someone hands you this movie with those changes, is this a better movie for you? Because it, it it's not connected to the original. I think it would have been a, a better idea instead of calling it Ro- Roadhouse to the last call. I think if you dropped Roadhouse. I would agree with you. Yeah, because I mean, you you hear Roadhouse too, and you know you hear Dalton. And I'm sorry, I I literally did lose count after about like 25 times hearing the name Dalton. Like seriously, oh, yeah, is, yeah, I know. Is, is is there a quota you have to hit for for writing his name in there? Was that part of the contract for actually getting the storyline? But just it doesn't need to be a sequel. Not no, everything needs to be a sequel. I mean, there's so many movies that really cannot surpass the sequel. Um, and there's only been a few that I know of. Godfather 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Terminator 1 and 2. Um, oh, Empire maybe, Strikes Back. Well, Empire, well, that's a given. But I'm talking about like people who... I mean, Empire Strikes Back, yes, of course. Star Wars, anything with Star Wars is in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, um, Spider-Man 1 and 2 with Tobey Maguire was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy those. And the newest Spider-Man with Tom Holland was really good. Wasn't very fond of Andrew Garfield, but I thought he did a decent job. Yeah. Um, Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. Oh, don't forget uh, X-Men. X-Men and X-Men 2 X-Men. Were, were, were phenomenal. Deadpool 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And Beverly Hills Cop one and two, Grown Ups one and two. I love. I loved a lot. You know, so there's a lot. Of, there's not a lot of huge movies that suppress. I mean, surpass the first movie. Mm-hmm. It's like impossible. I mean, uh, great example: The Dukes of Hazard. They had one, <laughs> and they had the prequel. The first one with Sean Scott and Johnny Knoxville. And Jessica Simpson should have just did that one. Never did the prequel. That was the worst thing they ever did. Um, yeah, like we didn't need sequels to movies like Dumb and Dumber. You know, we didn't. No. We didn't need Wild, I mean, I, Wild Things two I, and three and four. Couldn't used Cruel Intentions one and Skulls one. Well, I mean, the fact that Cruel Intentions itself was just basically a, a modern day retelling of Dangerous Liaisons. Yeah, exactly. So I mean. There's so much more. I mean, I keep hearing, and I I don't know if Hollywood's running out of ideas or what, but the one movie, I swear, do not remake, please, God, in the holy name. Do not touch Ferris Bueller's Days Off. Oh, don't no, Don't no, remake no. a movie like this. You do it, I swear to God, Hollywood, I'm going to be the one, I'll be your worst nightmare in history. Dude, don't, don't give them ideas. Don't give no, them ideas. No, but that's been tossed that idea. I, you know, I get it. It's got it, some of these movies do not need reboots. No, leave them the way they are. Forrest Gump does not need a reboot. Leave it the way it is. Okay, one of my personal favorite movies. Um, Cannonball Run, one and two. Leave those alone. Mm-hmm. Change. You know what? Use the idea of the Cannonball Run, but. Try renaming like they did with Speed Zone, but that movie flopped. Well, I mean, there was also Rat Race as well, and that was very well, much Rat in the Race, spirit but, of Cannonball. Which, but it was a com- it, but it was a comedy movie because then you can use any kind of vehicle, though. Yeah, I mean, perfect example of this is a fish called Wanda, right? Yes. You you don't make a sequel to it, but they took the exact same cast, gave them a different story, and they made fierce creatures, and. 
it's a, it's a great film. It's a fun film. And with that cast, it works. It's not a sequel. It's just the no. same cast having more fun together. Well, here you go. Here's a great one. So Major League, the movie. Mm-hmm. We all loved the first one with Charlie Sheen. Yep. We all liked the second one, which was funny. And But they made a third one, which I actually t- tend to like. Back to the Miners with Scott Bally, uh, Bakula. I thought that movie was freaking hilarious. I thought the third movie was done perfectly. You know what I mean? Because it didn't involve with almost all the cast members from the first one. Maybe three or four members. And it's the rest is all new cast. You know what I mean? So they did something different. Even though it's a major league movie, but it was not part of the major league. It's part of the minors now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kids are trying to make the majors. They play the Minnesota Twins because... Uh, Roger Dorn now owns them. You know what I mean? So, like, Dorn's in the movie. Pedro Serrano, Taka Tanaka. You know, names that you're familiar with from the second first and second movies. Yeah. But, you know, you don't need a Jake Taylor or a Charlie Sheen. No. But, I mean, so, but there's the thing. You had characters from the, from the predecessors still involved. Here, you had nothing you had nothing but a name said repeatedly about 47,000 times. Well, in the first half hour, I think they repeated it like 22 times. Oh, yeah. Like, dear God, don't ever turn this into a drinking game. You will not survive. You won't make it past an hour in the movie. No. You'll literally die of comatose drug, drunken overdose in an hour within this movie because I want to play the Dalton drinking game. Please, people, PDA, do not do it. Me and Jason here will forewarn you, don't do it. Yeah. Don't drink yourself that stupid. This feels like a PSA at this point. Dear now it does. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dear Lord. people, do not watch Roadhouse 2 and take a drink every time you hear the name Dalton. You will die. You will yes, die. You will. <laughs> okay. And I'm drinking water only. Right? Okay. Drink water. Drink water every time you hear the name Dalton, and trust me, you will be well hydrated. You're good. But Gomez, yes. it is time. <laughs> So, who is your MVP of Roadhouse 2 Last Call? Wow, MVP, I have to go with Shane Tanner. Okay. I, I just like, I, he actually did a good job acting the movie. He he played the chisel guy, you know what I mean? He, I thought he did really good in this movie. Um, if he was a non-MVP, it goes right to Jake Busey. Horrible acting, Jake Busey. Because <laughs> he's pretty fly for a white guy. Oh, dear God. Oh, Jake Busey. But, you know what's funny? Um, Shane Tanner is not my MVP. Okay. Uh, who is your MVP then? I had to go with Ellen Holman as Bo. Okay. I thought she brought so much more to the character and she took a weak spot of the original film and elevated it to one of the best parts of this film. And I love the fact that her career seems to kind of be on the rise and she's getting roles in bigger movies if you can be in a, a straight-to-DVD sequel that no one asked for and and elevate it, as she did, with good acting, with good delivery, with good physical fighting in this film, like she is, in my opinion, the best part of the movie. Gomez, thank you so much for joining in. Now, before we go, the mic is yours. Please let us know all about the Sleevy G Show. Uh, so the Sleevy G Show, I just had Jason come on my show on episode three. Uh, we were talking about uh, Tony Hawk's video game and soundtrack. Uh, check it out on YouTube on Sleevy G, uh, Sleevy G Show on YouTube. Also check out my website, uh, SleevyGPodcast.com. I'm also a blogger. Uh, I blog about some important things of autism, 
Uh, one of my one of my three of my best pieces I think I have on my blog. Uh, I do do video game reviews. Uh, I am going to start doing some movie reviews very soon. Um, my show is all about fun, man. Uh, you know, we had Jason recently on the show. I had Brian Colburn from my weekly mixtape. Um, I had uh, Diana from Sober Peru. Um, I had Christina Bear, Cara DeFalco. I, I talked to everybody in general. Uh, I, I Right now it's been legitimately in the state of New Jersey, but I like to branch out. Uh, I am talking to a uh, West Coast band to maybe jump in the show. I have Jason and uh, my buddy Andres from Latin Juice Box came on. So my show is about everything. It's no politics, but it's about food, video games, movies, sports, action, anything you could think of. So, you know, check me out on uh, on Instagram too, Sleevy G. Uh, so you can find me at, uh, like I said, anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods. Please leave a five-star review and comment. And if you're checking me on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, please. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to hearing from everybody. Um, you know, Jason, I definitely can't wait to get you back on. I know we were going to talk about some stuff um, after the show tonight, but uh, I'm looking forward to having you back on. Of course, uh, you were a big hit on my show as a third episode. You know what I mean? And I was an honor to have you on, man. And we've made some changes on the Sleepy G show a little bit. Got a little backdrop now for uh, the YouTube channel. You know, Sleepy G, now I got a little bit of a swag going on with my new hat. Sleepy G show. <laughs> so, Got some upgrades already for the oh, show. Oh, I, I saw some of the merch, and the merch looks really, really good there. So, you know, yeah. so the keychains look really awesome. That that's really, really cool. Gomez, thank you. You you know you've always got an open spot on this show, and you know we're going to drag you over onto there can only be one. That's going to oh, happen. I, that is happening. We are, are going to set a date. I think tonight. Mm, yes. On that. So I'll be back soon, folks, and we're going to talk some good music on that one. Oh, that that's going to be a tough episode to do. That one's going to be it tough. Is, I'm already regretting that one, but <laughs> I agreed to do that one. Well, you know what you signed up for, sir. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. I know when I signed up for any show. <laughs> uh, and to you, the listeners, thank you so much. Now, you guys know the drill. If there is a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or is just so bad that there's no way in hell that we can find anything good to say about it, hit us up on Twitter at NotThatBadCast or go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com. There you can find our coming soon page and see some of the movies that we are preparing for future episodes. There's a comment section there. Let us know what you thought of those movies. Get a shout out in the show. For Gomez, I'm Jason. You guys are awesome. This is It's Not That Bad. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.